0: Hello, and welcome to the Medical Humanities Podcast, the official podcast of BMJ's Medical Humanities Journal. We invite you to listen in and join the conversation from global perspectives on health, medicine, and accessibility, to interviews with social justice activists, filmmakers, artists, and academics from around the world. Stay up to date with public discussions that matter to medicine and humanities, because life happens at the intersections. Hello, and welcome back to the Medical Humanities Podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined us today because I have two really interesting people on, and we're going to be talking a little bit about art and about education and all sorts of things. This is Dr. Sally Waite, who's a senior lecturer in Greek art and archaeology, and Olivia Turner, who's an interdisciplinary artist, also a PhD, who has been appointed the lead for the Arts and Medical Research Cluster at Newcastle University. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks so much, Brandy. It's great to be here. Thank you. It's really
0: good to have you on. Uh, I would love it if you could just tell us a little bit more about who you each are and what you do. but then uh, in you know what we're really here to talk about today is this idea of corporal pedagogies. So um, So Sally, could you say a few words about yourself?
2: Uh, yes, so my research focuses on the material culture of ancient Greece. I'm a museum-based archaeologist. I work with Newcastle University's Shefton Collection. Uh, my specialism is Athenian red figure pottery, and I focus particularly on issues related to identity
0: and the body. Right, that's wonderful. And Olivia, I know that you're an interdisciplinary artist. Could you say a bit more about that too?
1: Yeah. So my practice is really interested in in the body and its relationship to medicine. Um, in particular, this idea of the visceral body. But we can talk a bit more about that in a second. Um, and my practice um, works with lots of different types of mediums, but in particular, performance, sculptural installation, writing. Um, and drawing and it's really I'm very interested in how how we work together in different disciplines and how particularly using workshops as a methodology for working together that's that's a real big part of my creative practice
0: one of the things that really intrigues me about what both of you do really is this idea of bodies, embodiment, the stuffness, right? The sort of material lived experience of of art and bodies and health. So if we could take a moment, I know that you are working together on a project called Corporal Pedagogies, and I partly I'd love to know a little bit about what does that mean and and also how did it
1: come about? The Corporal Pedagogies project came about um, from a project that I was doing Um, a couple of years ago ago called The Visceral Body, and it was a welcome-funded project. Um, And this really was starting to think about this idea of visceral, as I mentioned. And this idea of of visceral is being caught between two meanings. So on one hand, visceral within medicine is used to describe the literal location of the trunk organs in your body. But then you have the sort of metaphorical definition of visceral as being something felt within the body. And so I became very interested in how how within medicine in particular, the visceral sort of caught between these two um, positions or these two definitions between how we imagine our bodily insides and how they objectively are. And so I became interested in how how we might think about sort of subjective corporeal sensation. So how sensation forms a sort of internal vision of our body, and this being really around sort of this idea of proprioception. So how the how we form an an internal sense of the body, and this is a sort of continual but quite muted feeling of of things happening inside and so this then became a sort of expansion on this idea of sensorial sight so so how we how we see through the senses and it sort of brought questions around the body within medicine how we form embodied knowledge how we understand anatomy and how how we come to a sense of corporeal expertise so bodily expertise and how this changes during illness and disease and has sort of real life implications for um, patient studies for instance um, and so i as part of this project set up a, a workshop in collaboration with sally called the way my body feels thinking about how we can work through creative practice archaeology and medicine and how we can come together through those disciplines to think about teaching and research.
0: That is really fantastic and interesting. Um, Sally, can you, can you say a bit more about how, uh, how this becomes kind of connected to museum archaeology? I'm a little bit familiar with museum archaeology, though, from a medical museum standpoint, but um, can, you, can you say more about that? So the connection for for us was this votive uterus
2: which we have in the Shefton collection. So this is a, a clay uterus, it's about 15 centimetres long, it, it's got a flat bottom, um, it's a kind of pinky terracotta colour and it's it's moulded, the back of it is it's like a ridge. It almost looks like a rib cage. It's a really strange looking object and it just fits neatly into your hands. Um, and so Olivia was particularly interested in this object because obviously it's a representation of an internal body part.
0: And so that is what we began our collaboration with. You know, this is uh, uh, timely. I'm here in the United States, and as everybody knows, the Supreme Court has just overturned Roe versus Wade, meaning that uh, a lot of autonomy women have had over their own uteruses has been lost. And so I feel like the fact that the focus piece of your collection is a votive uterus has perhaps even greater meaning for me now than it did prior. So um, I think that's really interesting. And this, this concept that we feel our way through the body and our, who has expertise is related to issues of social justice as well. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> so exactly, and I think that you know, in part our approach is very much embracing critical pedagogies, which takes into account these issues of of social justice.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think as well as we'll talk a bit about the format of the workshops um in a moment but as part of it we we're being informed by a lot of different texts and one of the key texts that we do some um readings within the workshop is eleanor Cleghorn's unwell women and with, and this, as you say, Brandy, feels so pertinent. But one of the a tiny section in the in in the end of the book just says um, the lives of un- unwell women depend on medicine learning to listen. And I think what the workshops are trying to provide are spaces for listening to inform critical theory and practice.
0: Yes. And, you know, it, the other thing that strikes me as you're talking is uh, I, I work uh, a lot with um, the disability community as well. And I've been collecting responses to the overturning of Roe v. Wade from the disability community. That's a group of people who are often treated as though they're not experts on their body or don't have autonomy over their bodies, even though particularly in the case of chronic or misunderstood illnesses, they're often the only expert on their body. And so um, this concept that there's groups of people who already, women, uh, minorities, disabled people, chronically ill people who already struggle to maintain any kind of autonomy in the face of medical practice or social, uh, or or the legal system even in the face of these um, restrictions it seems now more than ever to we should be focusing on them and yet frequently even in response to you know loss of access, you don't hear from those particular those exact groups of people.
2: I think it's true and I think that one of the things that's so interesting about this Greek vote of offering is of course the voices of women are silenced from antiquity and yet this votive gives us a way to begin to understand something about their lives
0: and potentially even about their feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. In, a, in, an, in a, Well, <laughs> if you feel your body is objectified already and then you have an object that represents the body, I mean, there's something to be said about that. It's a very, very interesting intersection. And these votive wombs are the most
2: common internal um, body organ. So other organs are represented and also parts of the exterior body, but the womb is, is by far the most common of these.
1: I think as well, because the, as Sally said, in relationship to our votive uterus, it doesn't, and, and this reference to a rib cage, it doesn't look at all <laughs> like a womb, you know, an anatom- there is no anatomical correctness to this object. Um, and so it's really interesting how this object already is beginning to push itself away from the objectification of our bodies. And I think something that has been really strong throughout all the workshops that we've done is this process of externalisation. So by externalising a part of oneself, how do we then come to terms with it? How might, through handling and looking at it differently, provide sort of moments of healing or moments of thinking about this thing differently? Um, And as you said, something that takes into account its thingness beyond just simple sort of descriptions about it. Yeah, well, the
0: the living body, and then also the object together interacting. Um, I think sometimes the divisions between are not perhaps as fixed as we like to suppose. And there's, you know, there's social justice aspects of that, but there's also uh, other issues to look at in how we conceptualize the insides and outsides of our body and the the borders of our body. Um, Stuart Murray has a project on right now called Living Bodies Objects. It's a Uh, Won a big welcome grant recently. And I know they're still in process of even asking questions about how we ask questions. So, you know, this concept that, um, bodies and embodiment and feeling that body and proprioception, all of this is, I think very much in the, um, it's, it's right that it's being a focus right now. And I think it makes sense that we're focusing on it. You think about, Um, trans lives, you think about women's rights, you think of all of these things which are right now both very present and also potentially under threat. A workshop like this one that is suggesting this needs to be part of our pedagogy seems critically important.
1: Absolutely. I think when we were working with, with university students, a discipline that we were really keen to work with within this was medicine and psychology and it's exactly for the reasons that you were stating earlier of you know it's not just a case of needing to amplify the voices of people who are trying to advocate for their own bodies but how do we actually change the culture or the ways in which we think about the body within the disciplines who are the ones who are making decisions on behalf of us. So I think that was also a very key point of intersection for this project.
0: That's, that's awesome. Um, well, what I'd love to do in the last uh, 10 minutes or so is hear from you about how did these workshops, you know, what was the format But more specifically, what did you learn from them? What came out of them? What sorts of, you know, will this direct your course in the future? So we begin the
2: workshop with the object handling. Um, And obviously, we were working with students from uh, several disciplines. And many of them hadn't handled ancient materials before. So we passed around the artefact and we spent quite a bit of time doing this and each student made an observation about it and the observations focused on things like the colour, the shape, the size, the weight, Um, so the the things that were visible to the senses, particularly to sight and touch. And then when we had done that, um, we returned to ask the participants to give an emotional response to the handling of the object. And this was where some really interesting things began to emerge um, that we hadn't anticipated. at uh, This stage of, of the workshop, I mean, this is a question I would never ask my archeology span students to connect emotionally with an object. Um, and yet, of course, that's something we do when we handle an object. So this was quite moving.
1: From this, we, um, we worked with two meditation experts, um, Michael Atkinson and Jessica Combs. And it was important for because we were trying to disrupt this sort of convention within Western university Settings of sort of like focusing on this idea of of intellect or or knowledge as being only sort of cerebral or. or um, and so we were trying to disrupt that. And so meditation formed a really important part to provide a way in which we could begin to tune into the body um, and also to just feel together in a space if that makes sense so oh, there's something that comes about by being by being quiet and reflective and within this sort of meditative a, a guided meditative state where you begin to allow inhibitions or tensions or things that might get in the way of you enjoying or engaging with this type of teaching And so it sort of allowed everyone to to come together and and really set the tone of the rest of the day. Um, And it was it it was very interesting that that was a very crucial moment that we had in feedback as well, that that was one of the crucial moments of allowing students to just let themselves go. Um, And so from the meditation, we then uh, began to think about how we would work together as a group. Um, and this really was important in relationship to um, themes that underpinned anatomical votives. Um, so Sally might want to talk a bit more about this, but but this idea of it being an individual experience, but this notion of a collective body. Um, so we were creating these things called scores, which, um, are very sort of key moments within, um, within the history of art around this, this fluxus movement. So this, this 1960s experimental art movement and the idea of scores were a way in which we can begin to use art and make this sort of democratic um way which we can which anyone can join in with and so scores came about from rather than using musical notation which you which you create a piece of music that then another musician can play you put together a a sentence or or um a simple piece of text that then anyone can perform with um so This came, we were sort of responding to each other, to actions, to moving in a space and to the object itself. And so some of the examples of the scores that were made were um, share a connection that you are grateful for. And another was select and clasp part of your body you do not normally notice, see how you can entwine your fingers around it. So we would do this together we would experience this together and so again thinking about this relationship between individual and social bodies particularly around ideas of illness and, and disease i find it haptic
0: part of this really interesting that that you do some costume making and clay work and things like that. And I, I definitely want us to um, to talk a little bit about the feedback and participant evaluation before we run out of time. So, um, Sally, could you start off by talking about how this connects with the votive object? And then could we maybe hear a little bit about how the participants themselves kind of responded?
2: Yes, absolutely. So we were thinking about with, with the ancient a votive offering which is given um to the to the gods in petition or as a thanks for a a healing or um a successful childbirth We were thinking about how these were displayed in antiquity and and some of the objects have um, suspension holes. So we did a visualisation exercise to imagine what it would have looked like, all these suspended body parts and then body parts standing on the floor or on shelves. And the idea that these individual body parts come together to make uh, a collective whole in their display so creating the idea of a a communal body which is what we were trying to do with the scores.
1: So as Brandy touched upon there was this real sense of sort of haptic learning and teaching and so we moved from costume making um, as a sort of way to record the marks made from the clay during the day as well as a sort of expression a like playful expression of self um, and the colours were chosen specifically as these sort of pinks and terracotta colours to relate to the materiality of the clay so it was really sort of pulling everything in um, together and so then we moved on to working with terracotta clay itself and the students were sort of asked to lie down um and we went from having sort of individual experiences where um i would read these texts such as Sinead Gleason and Boyer and as i said before um, Eleanor Clegghorn and as these were being read aloud the students would take a piece of clay and begin to just close their eyes and impress sensations and feelings into it. And it wasn't really about what they made, but it was about thinking around process and considering the materiality of the body in relationship to the votive. And so. After this sort of individual experience, we then asked them um, to have one student lie down and the rest of us would gather around them and begin to make small objects in relationship to either asking for for pressure on the body or if they had any pain or if they had a particular sensation happening, we would all make these very small sort of objects responding to the person who was in need of them on their body. And we had them laid out with all these tiny objects placed all over them. Um, And this was really, really amazing experience for both Sally and I, as well as the students. And for us, Really about understanding this sort of transformative role objects can play within education and how valuable this type of learning is. Um And some of the students, um, well, all of the students really had come back and said that this this actual handling of an ancient object was such a powerful and unique experience because we don't normally engage with collections in this way. And they spoke about this be- this idea of being emotionally connected to the past. And how bringing together different expertise of archaeologist, creative practice, meditation, how that really was important to get a full holistic understanding of these objects and their role within society today and how each of these things that we did within these workshops, how they then related to the disciplines themselves um and so they spoke about this idea of having bringing emotional intelligence to academic subjects which i think was such an interesting way of phrasing it um and i think for us it just really as i it like really re- was reaffirming the importance and necessity of this learning experience within Um, within university settings and beyond. I mean, these workshops could go anywhere, into any spaces, really. Um, And thinking about how interdisciplinary collaboration is so valuable for thinking about the body and its relationship to objects.
0: And and to medicine, because I think uh, we have an unfortunate tendency to have a sort of top-down The doctor has the knowledge and the patient is is a a recipient rather than a collaboration. And so these collaborations seem like those would be really important for medicine, too, which is partly what makes the medical humanities such a useful field. Sally, um, what what did you take away from this? And how do you see this potentially impacting things in the future? I could say, honestly, that it was... the the best teaching
2: experience I ever had. And I've been teaching for for over 20 years. And I I mean, partly it was having the students for the whole day, which we normally just get an hour or two at the most. Um, So it was a fully immersive experience. Partly it was because it broke down the hierarchies we didn't have set year groups we mixed you know first years to phds and also olivia and and uh, my role wasn't that of the kind of teacher it was much more collaborative and, and learning together so it it was a, a huge learning curve and a completely different way of teaching which i would love to do more of unfortunately the way that the university system is set up doesn't, at the moment, facilitate this kind of interdisciplinary, or um,
0: mixed cohort, or lengthy, you know, whole day workshops. See, that's 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 why we need to completely overhaul education. I was I was talking to Olivia about this earlier. Um, <laughs> academia doesn't. <laughs> but no this has been this has been really informative and really amazing and I think that your workshop says a lot for why the medical humanities or health humanities actually I like to think of it as health humanities because I think that's more broad um, is so valuable for reconnecting us in a in an often disconnected world and the I see many many applications for bringing social justice even more firmly into that discussion um, as we talk about you know who has the who has the expertise over their over bodies whose whose expertise matters and i think all that's really really valuable so i just want to thank both of you for being on with me today and for sharing this amazing experience i hope that you'll join us again sometime it was good to have you thank you thank you so much thank you and to all of our listeners thank you once again for being part of the conversation Thank you for listening to the Medical Humanities Podcast. Since 2020, transcripts are available for all shows on our blog. Stay in touch by reading the journal and blog online. Just follow the links in the episode description. We are also on Twitter as medhums underscore bmj.